Guys, welcome back to Unleashed, and this is going to be a really special um, episode, and you'll find out more about that in just a minute, Um, but again, remember, we are the resistance. We are glad you are with us, and if you want to go to the website, um, you can go to unleashed.men. I don't usually mention that, but uh, there's all kinds of videos and photographs and and devotionals and stuff you can find on there, but again, that's unleashed.men. But we are glad you are here, and we have Eric Foley with us, who's the producer. And Eric, we got a we got a question this week. Yes, we do. This question is from Bill from Indiana. He wants to know why do you do this? <laughs> to pay the bills? No, just to joke. So, Bill from Indiana. Now, who do I know? Bill from? I probably don't even know. Um, why do I do this? You know, I think it's a matter of, I think everybody has a story to be told. And I think it's really important that we we tell our stories because if we don't, no one, that legacy that we leave behind, good or bad, I think we can learn from all the above. Um, But I think it's really important that we tell our story. I think all of us, I get so many people, you know, this is something, Eric, that I get so many guys come up and they say, you know, I would love to be able to speak, but I'm afraid to be able to talk in front of people. I don't really know that I have something worth saying. And I always say, everybody does. You know, God made you. He put you here. You have a story. And, you know, once we finally get to that place where we can stop caring about what other people think, and I know I struggle with that too, we actually can get out of our own heads and we can pour into somebody else. So that's kind of as good of an answer as I've got for that. So, Bill, there you go. Now you know why. I think it's important. So tell your story too. Um, So this week we have got a crazy special guest to me, and you have heard uh, me talk about her many times. And this week, I have my beautiful inside-in-out wife, Stacy. Say hi, Stacy. Hello. No, I meant to say hi, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. There you go. <laughs> she just loves my jokes. Can't you tell? <laughs> oh, this is this is great having you here. I'm used to looking at like a wall that says like live on air, and it's got like acoustical tiles and stuff all around. I have to say, you're much better to look at. So glad you were here. She got off work early today. Mm-hmm. But we decided, you know, coming into the Christmas season, you know, we we are so thankful for what God has been doing in our lives. Um, and we've been married six and a half years, and it's been a really great journey, but it's not been an easy one. Um, <laughs> so we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit today. But I was thinking about something you said recently. When was the first time that you ever saw me? you really want to know that i don't know that i want our audience to know this but so it was when i was in sixth grade you were performing at my elementary school and i was in eighth grade (laughs) (laughs) with the group one and you were performing at just say no Concert is my face a little red? And I'm is it hot in here, Eric? I'm gonna turn this heat down a little bit. You had quite the mullet then. Oh man, yeah, well, never again. See, that's the beautiful thing about being bald you don't have bad hair days anymore, you mm-hmm. just have no hair days. But obviously, yeah. we have a few years between us. There's a couple, there's yeah, there's a couple, but oh, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade you in. Let's put it that way. I, I think I'd keep you the rest of my life. I I'm pretty smitten with you. So, but we were, uh, we get asked a lot of times, you know, like, how did you guys meet? We go through all that kind of stuff. But, you know, really with, with all of the, 
the stuff that both of us had been through in our lives. It was something that really drew us together. And, you know, both having, um, and you'll hear more about that in a few minutes. Um, you know, I had lost both my parents, and I've talked about that on here. And just, just a lot of different things, um, just the pain of different some situations sometimes can bring people together. And after a lot of loss, it was just one of those beautiful things where um, we could see each other's heart. And I think that is something we still see. And, you know, really learning each other's heart, um, man, that's a journey. It's, it's not easy, but, oh, my gosh, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think about where to start off with you. Uh, let's see. Here's a, okay, so um, when we first, we, when we really started to date, there was a lot of things like flowers and cards and that kind of stuff. Um, but when you kind of started to find out what I, well, I, I don't know. I mean, we really didn't find out in the beginning. I guess we got into some conversations like, what do you do? Like I always say on here, you know, what's a man's you know, biggest question is, do I have what it takes? And so then they always ask each other, well, what do you do for a living? Don't ever ask you what you do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that question. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? I just uh, too much, too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the kids are always like, how do I tell anybody what you do for a living? And I'm I, like, I mean, it's all connected, but it's just so many It's avenues. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. With all those different things, what did you expect like life was going to be like when you married me? I, well, I didn't really know what to expect, to be quite honest. I, I thought... With all your accolades and accomplishments and different avenues you've taken throughout your adult life that you were pretty well set. Not that I was attracted to you for quote unquote money, but I I just I just thought you were established. It's probably one of the biggest misconceptions of people that yeah, yeah. especially like in, I was in the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a few people out there that uh, I'm sure are doing really well. Great for them. Um, but, you, you know, I think I, I, I don't understand. I don't know how God does all those things. You know, it's funny, you know, having been in Christian music and having songs, you know, I had, I don't know, it doesn't really matter how many, you know, top 10 or number ones doesn't necessarily translate into, hey, I'm going to be eating grapes and having someone fan me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I would not trade the path. Um, of what I do now for anything in the world. Uh, it's, it's that I was saying to Bill earlier, the man that asked the question on here, you know, why do you do what you do? And I say this so many times, life is not about us. It never will be. It's about Jesus. And we were put on this, this planet to, to love each other well. And, and you'll hear in a minute, you know, some of the ways that Stacy has really loved me and sometimes love isn't just like, oh, my gosh, you're so wonderful, right? And it's sometimes like the opposite, going, you know what? It's tough love, like you give your kids. Yeah. And I think that whole thing we talked about, you know, one of the earlier episodes around respect, you know, sometimes like with Eric, you know, when he's producing stuff, and I'll just say, hey, tell me if my breath stinks. And he's like, yeah. But you don't have to ask your wife. She'll just tell you, which is really good because if you're getting ready to walk up with people and there's something about you that you need to take a good look at, you know, a heart check, how you say something. Um, it's not always easy, but, you know, it's, it's finding that person that loves you 
no matter what and no matter what they have to say because you know that they love you, that they're being honest with you. And I just, uh, I appreciate that. So, you know, one of the things you talked about early on was you thought you had always wanted to be married to someone who was like in ministry or Christian music. Well, how's that turned out for you? Well, I always had this dream as a little girl that I could never see the man's face. I never knew what he did on that stage, but I was always sitting down in that front row at some kind of event, whether it was a church service or a concert or what. I had no idea. I never knew. It was just I knew I was supposed to be married to somebody on a stage. I think I figured it out. So, like, after we had been dating, you know, just for a little while, uh, of an old tour buddy of mine, which I've talked before with Stephen Curtis Chapman, was going to be performing in, I don't even know, what's the name of the hall in Indianapolis? Uh, I think it was Banker's, Banker's Life. Banker's Life. You know, or Gainbridge now, I think. With a Pacers player or whatever. And so I knew he was going to be down there, and I thought, well, hey, she loved Christian music. You know, we'll just go down, I'll get tickets. And because, I mean, he and I have been friends forever, um, you know, this isn't name dropping, it's just life, getting some backstage passes. And so we went down there, and this may be what you were talking about. So we we get in line backstage, and uh, was it Alex, whatever it was, the road manager comes around and goes, hey, we're going to put you guys in the very back. And Stacy looks at me really disappointed, like, oh, we might not get to see him now. I said, no, I said, they're doing that so that when everybody's done, we can just have some time alone. And it was funny because I could, I could feel your hand kind of like trembling in mine. And so we hang out a little bit and we go sit like in the 10th row from the front stage. And now remember, this is like the first public date we ever went on. And we're sitting out there with, I don't know, 10,000 people or whatever it is in the audience. And Steve starts talking to me from stage during the concert. Well, of course, there's a lot of people that are there that would, that what might know that I used to tour with Steve or whatever. And having been through a divorce, it's a weird feeling when you, when you go out or date, date for the first time after that, because, you know, there's just the healing time and all those different things that are going on. And, and maybe some people that hadn't seen me in years didn't even know I had gone through a divorce. And I didn't know what to do with that night. I was so happy to take you, and it was kind of a cool thing to, to you know, go back and show you the the backstage and talk with Stephen. And I would be lying if I didn't say maybe I was trying to impress you a little bit in that moment. Um, but I didn't know what to do when he kept talking, and he keeps bringing up our touring stuff. And now I'm like going, oh my! I hear someone like yell out to this, uh, uh, yell out to me from the audience. I didn't know what to do. And so when that light went off, you knew I was feeling it at the very end. And all I could see were your heels going up the stairs and I'm going right behind you. But I'm heading down a path with this. And this is the one of the reasons that I fell in love with you. Um, I knew you were really, really pretty. And I was like, golly. But the very next morning, on the way home, I told you my story. You were like, why did you get so nervous? And I said, I, I didn't know what to do. Well, here's the thing. He... He wanted you to join a, in a song with him. And I was, like, encouraging you to go up there. He, he even came off stage and came and held the microphone to your to your mouth. And you clammed up. And I was so confused because you you lived in this life. You, you sang. You wrote songs. You 
toured? Like, why, why did you clam up? And um, later you had told me that your heart kind of died to music. Some things happened at the church and just kind of made your music lay dormant for a while. And, and so I was determined to wake that heart up. Yeah, so she finds all this out on the way home. Right. This is our big date and she's finding all this stuff out. Like, why did you like almost crawl under the bleachers kind of a deal when he came down? And so I told her my story, which I've I've shared on here about, you know, my my uh my shipwreck in my life years earlier. And the next morning my phone rings. And Stacy's calling me on the phone and I'm like, Oh, what's this? Is it gonna be you no know, I don't know what happened last night, but I think I'm done with this or whatever. But instead she goes, Hey, what are you doing in the morning? And I said, why? She goes, I want you to meet me at this music store about 30 minutes away. And I said, why? She goes, just just show up. So I get there. I think you had like sweats and a ball cap on or something because it was pretty early. And I get up there and we walk in and she said, I want you to sit down and play that piano. I said, why? She goes, just sit down and play that piano. I said, why that piano? And you said, because it's yours. Because it's yours. And I said, what? And you said, I want you to get your heart back. So I bought you a piano, and I'm like, who does that? And at that moment, I was like, you know, I think everyone wants to be cared for. And in that moment, when she did that for me, and that's one of the things we always talk about with each other is, you know, move into each other's darkest place where they're hurting the most because that's where they need cared for the most. And I, you know, sometimes I can do that, and sometimes I drop the ball. But on that time, you know, when you did that, um, man, that just changed everything. For me, I just absolutely fell head over heels in love with you. But, you know, again, it hasn't been, it hasn't been, you know, that, that was the beginning. You know, in any relationship, you know, you have the, the whining and dining kind of stuff. and The honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase. And so then after we got married, um, she started to find out a little bit more like of what I do with the outdoors kind of stuff. And one of the very first hunting trips that I take, and I'm gone for like 10 days, I'm texting her, and what was I saying to you? There's a bear charging me. <laughs> I don't think I said it that something way yet. Because like, I, I think I had to drop the phone and pick up the gun. But, yeah, so this is like early on, and you've heard that bear story. I can't remember which episode it was in, but it was the one where the the path, uh, three different paths that God said, take these paths, don't go the way you normally go. But that was the kind of life that um, that she married into. And it's easy because I, I get to talk a lot about, you know, my life on here. Um, I know that sounds weird, but you have to have stories. And so I think it's better if you pull your own stories. But the reason that I really wanted Stacy to be on here today is because I want you to hear her story. Um, when we go and speak sometimes together, usually, you know, I'm out speaking and she's, she goes along, but sometimes she's asked to speak and sometimes we do events together. But the first time that she had a chance to share her story, um, there was more people lined up at the table to talk to her than there were to me. And I knew that her story was something that had to be told, just like what Bill says. Why do you do this? And that's why Stacy's on here today. You know, why are you doing this today? And I, I just want you to hear um, her story. It's really powerful. So without any further ado, tell us your story. Well, um, I had a pretty traumatic childhood. I was abandoned when I was eight years old. My 
prior to being actually abandoned, I was pretty neglected. Um, my mother walked away when I was eight years old, like I said. Um, I don't really need to go into the reasons why she just she just was going down a pretty um, unfortunate path. Um, and the things that I experienced when I was still living with her was pretty horrifying. And um, I think because it was during my formative years that I have reacted to it so differently and I have approached it so differently and I've carried those scars with me deeply. Um, she always told me who my dad was, but I never got a chance to meet him. Um, I'd always ask questions about him, um, and she would just tell me that he didn't want me. So, um, let me let me go back just a little bit. So, when my mom walked away, we, my two sisters and I, moved in with my grandparents, which were her mom and dad. Um, after we spent a couple weeks in Virginia with my uncle, her brother. And um, that was just to give her a chance to do some quick healing and get on her feet. And um, when we came back, that is when she walked away. She had told my grandparents that um, we were going to go to the orphanage if they didn't take us in. And... um, so they got guardianship for a year, and it ended up being the rest of our years at home. Um, so, like I said, those wounds carried with me and made me falsely believe what love was. Um, when I was in high school, right before I graduated, I just wanted to end it all. I was tired of the pain. I was tired of all the unanswered questions. I was tired of feeling so isolated and and invisible. And so I went to the medicine cabinet and just started taking all kinds of pills. Um, I wanted, I was searching for pill bottles that said zero refill because I thought maybe it'd be stronger. Um, I was desperate. Um, My little sister actually saw me taking them and I just tried to convince her that I had a headache and I was taking ibuprofen. Um, I ended up in critical care that night. Almost died. Um, I had a friend's mom who came to visit me while I was laying there lifeless that leaned down and whispered in my ear, if you succeed, you're going to hell. Never, ever, ever forget that. Um, so when I was discharged from the ICU, a couple days later, I had to stay in an inpatient facility for a few days and got out just in time to graduate and um, a few weeks later I 
thought that I wanted to be a cop. So I went and patrolled around with a family friend who was an officer, and um, he ended up sexually assaulting me. And um, a few months later, there was a rape by a different person. So my, my view on love and men has always been very, very skewed and um, just lies. Um, so back to my dad, like I said, my mom told me who he was, gave me a name. Um, I'd always ask questions. She never would tell me any answers. She just would always tell me to drop it. I need to let it go. Um, he didn't want me. It's fast. Just move on. But I needed to know that that it's a part of me. And so, um, when I was about 27 years old, this, man who I had searched for my whole life sat down at my desk at work and um, I looked down and I looked at his he, he was a patient I worked at a hospital and I looked at these orders and I saw this name and I got up and I walked away because I was just paralyzed and I don't know if it was fear or disbelief or anxiety I don't know I was just paralyzed and, and so I got up and I walked away and I had ran into my my then boss, and she saw me shaking and asked me what was going on. So I kind of gave her a brief synopsis, and she was like, this is your chance. Go back and um, confront this. And so at this point, he was in the hallway, and I just pulled him aside, and I didn't really say anything except, do you know this? And I said my mom's name, and um, he said, I do. And then I said, I think I'm your daughter, a phrase I never, ever thought I'd say in my lifetime. And so he pulled me into him like he was being given a brand new baby. And he held me in that hallway for for what seemed like an eternity, several minutes. And um, we exchanged phone numbers and we're both crying and we chatted for a couple weeks, and I finally got the courage to ask him why he walked away. And he said that I, I didn't. That's not how it happened. Um, he said, when your mom came to me and said she was pregnant, I just asked, how can you be sure it's mine? And so he waited and waited and waited for her to come ask him for paternity or child support or anything and that was the last he ever heard from her was when she told me or she told him she was pregnant and so he volunteered to get um, DNA testing done and um, six weeks later I found out that that name was not him and so I was broken I um, I was angry I that was the only piece of my childhood that I had hope in and it was stripped away from me. And, um, so when I confronted her about it, he, or she, she, all she said was, I just thought for sure it was him. Didn't offer any apology. Didn't give me any kind of, 
um, explanation. Just It was just that, and I was just supposed to be done with it. And so for my own sanity, I kind of put it to bed for a little bit until a few years later I had my um, little girl, not so little anymore, but at the eye doctor. And on the back of her eye, she has some kind of genetic marker that is linked to colon cancer, and it's carried through the maternal grandfather. And so I went to my mother again, thinking that maybe since it had to do with her grandchild, that it would kind of rattle her and um, want her to give me something. And it, it didn't. She wouldn't give me any answers. And so um, a friend of mine told me to take it to Facebook. I had a picture of myself and a sign that just had her name and um, what year she went to high school, where she went to high school, and if anybody had any answers to please private message me. And I, I got over 300 with so many different names. And so I just... I just felt like I I was on a beaten path and I was so much more angry, so much more hurt. And um, I, I really um, was angry at God. I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Um, so a few years later... Through ancestry DNA that was this gifted, is after we got married. Yeah, that was gifted to me by you. Um, I finally found him, but sadly he was dead for ten years prior to. It wasn't me he had, was it um, a cancer from Agent Orange? He was in Vietnam. He was a Vietnam he was a medic in, yeah. in the war. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just you know I could go into a lot more detail, but out of respect. As yeah. much as respect I can give, given my story, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say everything that I experienced, but I. Well, I know this, you know. After we got married, you know, because the depths of someone's story you can't really feel until you've lived a little more life with them. Because now you're you're more connected. You feel each other's pain and joys and everything. And um, I would find you, for the first few years, all of a sudden, if if something made you feel. Um, disconnected, abandoned. It could be like if I was gone on a hunting trip or, or something, you know, something that would be a trigger. We all know what triggers are, those things from our past that can, that can you know, rear their head and we can go back and experience some of that trauma. I would find you curled up um, in the closet. That was the place where you would, what was the reason when you would go in there, what did you, what did you think about yourself that would make you go in there? Ultimately, it was about me feeling out of control. And the closet, well, the closet was the place I'd always go to, to hide away from the ugly that I was witnessing. And so my closet was my safe place. It's, it's where I could control everything. And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, I talked a week or two ago about, you know, trying to find our good enough. And as men... You know, we want to be that covering for our wives. And that's something I desperately still every day struggle with because I want to be that for you. You know, after I heard your story the first time, my heart was broken. 
because um, I loved you so much. And to, I can't even imagine everything that you went through through in your in your mind, and that wound. You know, it's 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 difficult to have gone through difficult wounds like that, really hard, deep wounds. But filling those wounds is something that I have tried to do so many times until I realized. And I had several people come to me and say, "You got to get out of the way. This is a wound that really only God can can heal." Now, does he use us? Yeah, absolutely he does. I mean, sometimes I'd go in the closet in there, and I would just get down beside you, and I'd put you in my arms. And then sometimes I would be upset because I'd make it all about me. Why are you in here? What's wrong this time? You know, all that kind of stuff that is insensitive. But when you're thinking it's all about yourself, you're trying to get out of jail free card from having to feel like you did something here to cause this. And most of the time, yeah, were there times that maybe I caused something? Probably when I didn't listen well. Or you'd give me a scriptural antidote. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times people would, and though they meant well, they would tell me, let go, let God, you don't need an earthly father. You had a, you have a heavenly father. Um, What's the quote that I always say? What is it? What's it about a child? What a child knows about God comes from their earthly father. Most of the time. Yep. And so I was, I don't do well on the receiving end of scriptural medication. I just. Well, and a lot of times, I mean, scripture is true, but a lot of times people are just, they're uncomfortable with how the situation is right now. So they're, it's a quick fix to try to just kind of get you to quiet down rather than saying, you know what, if you need to scream, kick, hit, whatever it looks like, sob, I'm going to be here. And that's hard. It's hard to be that person because we all think about ourselves, right? We're not thinking about the pain someone else is going through. Many, many times we're thinking about, well, I'm feeling not good enough right now, and so I just want you to be quiet. So I'm going to give you this scripture, or I'm going to whatever, fill in the blank. And, you know, just recently we had been through some really tough stuff. And afterwards, you know, Stacy came up to me because I was in that same place. I was angry about some things. In that moment, I didn't want to hear somebody give me scripture, you know what I really wanted? You know what it is. I wanted to be cared for. The same thing that you were crying out for your whole life. Do you see me? Am I, do I have significance? Am I worth your time? And, um, you know, we've been, we've been going through a, uh, a, an older book. Now we're doing it again. It's the, um, the five love languages, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. And it's hard sometimes when you, when you hear what their need is, and it's exposed that you're not meeting it in the way that they really need it, it's hard because then all of a sudden you feel guilty or shame again, which is just a repeating cycle. And the same thing. Well, sometimes we'll look at each other and go, did you hear that? Rewind that, you know. <laughs> and it's, so you have to be careful because it's you have to remember when you're doing that and working on your marriage, you're doing those things so you really can get to know that person, what their needs are, so you can move into those. And it doesn't happen quick. Because we all are, are raising our hand and saying, I've got a need here. I want you to meet my need before I'll meet yours. Well, here's the truth about all that. You do what you're called to do to meet their need. You don't wait for them to do it for you. And it's a beautiful thing what happens because when you love, they're cared for, and they love. It doesn't matter really about who starts it. We're both responsible. I think I said, maybe it was a week or two ago on here, I said, you know, it's not my job to keep someone else's side of the street clean. It's my job to keep mine clean. And really, that's the way love works. You work on yourself. You work hard so that you can love that person, uh, love them well. You know, we had a, 
something happened. You had made a, a Facebook post, and here's the here's the thing. You know, I like I've told you before. I grew up in the church. You know, you have to have all the right answers. You have to look the right way. You know, all those kind of things. But Stacy, not having a lot of that. Now she did go to church when she was small, but we're wired differently. I'm always thinking about, even as I'm talking right now, sometimes you're thinking about how am I going to wrap this up with a neat little bow on it? And Stacy's like, you don't have to wrap it up with a neat little bow because sometimes life is hard and sometimes people need to know that so they don't feel like they're only the only ones that don't have a neat little bow wrapped up at the very end. Mm-hmm. And so you made this Facebook post and, and without going into too much detail, what was it about? This was like about a week ago. Yeah, it was basically the disappointment in church um obviously you're an itinerant ministry and um um we've had several churches that have either paid you late or have pulled the plug and um pulled the plug when the check was in the mail basically yeah when they've said the check was in the mail and then several hours later we get an email saying that they can't do it or they're not going to do it for whatever reason and you know in in ministry especially like this you have to be able to look at the ministry side of it but also the business side of it and 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 that's business that that's your quote-unquote employer that's how you are paid and that's your right. income and um, you're not a pastor on the staff of the church where they do budgets at their quarterly board meetings or whatever. You're paid when they reach out to you and bring you in as a speaker. And um, so when this email came in a few nights ago that said, just kidding. <laughs> okay, so let, let me set this up. You've heard her story. You've heard her talk about all these different things that happened to her as a small child. You know, the abandonment, you know, where's the money coming from? How am I going to be taken care of? Will I be taken care of? And so after we get married and she finds out, you know, that what I do isn't like on staff at a church salary. It's itinerant ministry. We're missionaries is what we are um, domestically. And so all that stuff that she's had to struggle with, like, are we going to be okay? Now, and it's not even about the... Um the security it's being able to trust in that security and that's what god is showing me more and more and more is that it's you know these other things are just um factors the root of my problem is i'm scared to trust because i've always been let down and um well we're laying so we're laying there in bed and i'm doing something on my phone she comes out of the bathroom getting ready to go to bed and she goes what are you doing I said, well, I'm just making some notes. And I didn't know what to say to her because I didn't want to tell her exactly what I was doing. What I was doing is I was sending an email to this one church who had just, you know, told us four hours earlier that everything was fine. The check would be going out. And then they decided, and I don't know what the reasons exactly were, and that's okay. Um, But it was just the matter of I had to tell her. I had to say, okay, I'm not really making notes here. I am making notes, but they're not to me. They're going to somebody else. And it was because I felt this not good enough in that moment because it was out of my control. I couldn't control what this church does, but I know that I had to come to you when you were already struggling because we had had three or four churches, like in just a matter of a couple of weeks, be weeks and weeks late on some things that were going through. And then the bank screwed something up and they took a bunch of money out of our account that they had to put back. 
But all this was weighing on you, and so I had to tell you what this was. And in that moment, I was looking at your face and going, oh, God, I don't want to do this. Please don't. How can, let there be another email that comes in saying, oh, just kidding. And it, that wasn't it. And instantly, you got quiet. And it's been a long time since you've done this. But where did you go? The closet. I was just, I was at my breaking point. I mean, I don't, it's the holiday season, obviously. And like you said, so many churches recently had have paid us late. And um, I was just, I just felt so broken again. Not, not because of what people would think. I'm mad that, you know, the income wasn't coming in. I, w- I was... I'm mad because I've worked so hard to work on my trust. And it just seems like every time the enemy will do something to break it. And then it makes me feel like I'm not worth worth enough to, to even try anymore. And so I'm always my quiet prayers because I know how trust has been destroyed within you, within men, within the church, and those in ministry, and all those things. I've watched it, and it wasn't your fault. These are things that happen in real life. I think so many times we do try to put the icing on the cake so no one can see that the cake maybe has some parts in it that are spoiled on the inside, and so we try to make it look good. But you can make it look good by confronting things that are difficult. So we, we do have integrity, that we step up and we follow through and all these things. And so my prayer has been, God, don't just let a church, you know, come through and, and pay the bill on time, right? It was, God, Stacy needs a lightning strike to trust you again. And I know it's not going to come from me. Yeah, because my trust was fading fast. Oh, yeah. My, it wasn't fast. It had been eroding for a long time yeah. because of this. And um, so I woke up the next morning, and I speak much more eloquently when I write. Yeah, you do. You're good. <laughs> so I made this Facebook post, and... My opening statement was another church, another disappointment. And then I just spilled my guts out. And oh my gosh, over a hundred people commented on it with, you know, just different experiences that they've had within the church. And, and, and my, and please understand, I'm not talking about the church as the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church as the business, business side. Yeah. And, um, as the, corporation that it's become and um i was just sad i'm just and i'm sad for all those ex- there's sh- those shared experiences like it's not supposed to be that way it was so. hard i mean in that moment when i went in the closet when you were in there i went like god we're here again where's that lightning strike and my trust and i even told you my i my faith has never i mean i don't it's not mine to claim but it's never shaken by stuff because I'm this person that's, I don't know whether why it's a gift that from God, but I'm like, God's going to come through. I know he is. I know he's going to do it. Maybe not in the way that we want it to, to look or it's going to be, but I know he will. And God always has a way of letting us know that he's the one behind something. And I was I was telling this to Stacy like for the first five or so years of our marriage, that, that there was a way that God would always speak to me that I knew it was him. Now, I knew that God was going to do something in my spirit. But you can't just tell somebody who's struggled with trust and and been broken so many times what you believe because their experiences have been different than yours. And so God had this really cool way um, of of doing this. So kind of fast-forwarding this just a little bit. So she made this post, and when she first showed me the next morning, 
I saw the post and I was like, oh. he wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> I tried not to Let's show it. Let's be real. I, yeah, I wasn't because I'm thinking, you know, I have all these different people that could book me or have booked me or that know me or and somehow it's going to make the I'm ministry look bad. I'm supposed to behave. Mad. Yes, behave. <laughs> and uh, in that moment, I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I say, babe, I think you ought to take that down because some people just won't understand. And there was someone who didn't understand. And there was a couple of things that went back and forth that they, they felt that maybe it was trying to make the church look bad. But nobody else, that was the only one, nobody else felt that way. They're all coming back and saying, we have to talk about stuff like this. And all these people were saying, you know, I've been hurt by the church too. And again, not the body of Christ. We're talking about, here's the thing, not the body of Christ. Human beings make mistakes because we're human. All of us. We drop the ball. We cancel events. We don't give the right words when they're most needed. All those things we we drop the ball in. But God has a way, and like we talked about in the beginning of this, to take our stories and put something really beautiful together. And I knew in my spirit somehow God was going to do it, but I didn't know when. So all this stuff is, is going on, and I'm broken. And I'm, I'm standing, and I'm in the kitchen, and a guy called me who had seen your post, who I love dearly. I've never met this man. He's brilliant. And uh, maybe he didn't want to meet me. That's why he's brilliant. But he... Uh, <laughs> He gets a hold of me and he says, you need to talk. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't know what to do with that post. And he says, well, you know what your wife is saying in that post. And I'm like, what? She's saying, I need to know God cares for me because so many people have let me down. I want to trust the one who made me and I'm struggling because the organization, people, whatever have let me down. And so he says, you need to let your wife know that, that she's cared for. I care for her. You care for her. God cares for her. And then he says this. He says, you know what? I want you to do something. He says, I want you to, because of the way money goes in ministry, because I totally understand when you're an itinerant ministry, it can be really difficult when things don't come in on time or whatever, or events don't book when you think they should book, because you have some slow seasons in the year. And he goes, I want you to go to three people. And he says, so this never happens again, because what your wife needs is a security net underneath what you have, because it's hard to get that money ahead, because then you have to keep using it when no one pays or whatever. He said, uh, I want you to go to three people, and I want you to let them know, hey, we are in the ministry we're in, and I know that you believe in us, but if anything like this happens again, we had all kinds of bad stuff happening with cars and washers and stuff breaking, all this money going out the door. He says, you need to be able to go to them and say, hey, I need a check, and there's no return. You know, you already know when you're giving it, it's because of ministry that you guys really do need it. So, Brent, if you do come to me and you ask for this check, I don't have to question it. I know you. I know the ministry, and I know you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't really need it. And he goes, so I'm just going to say um, that person you're going to go to, you're going to tell them you need it. He says, I'm just pulling this number out of a hat, $5,000, so that if you hit a big emergency, you would have that there so Stacy can feel some you know, safety net underneath her. I get off the phone with this guy, and well, there was, there was two things that were going on. There was him and another gentleman who had come to me who knew about what had been happening with these churches. And both of these guys showed up instantly, without question. They didn't even have to wait. But the very next day, I get this phone call from someone who I've, I've only met this person a couple of times. But he has been following the ministry, and he says, hey, God kind of moved me. How are things going? And I said, well, it's been a little tough. He goes, tell me about it. Like, who asks you that? And he's not even on Facebook. And, he's not, just, and this guy it, isn't even on Facebook. His spirit was just prompted to yeah. reach out. And so he, he gets a hold of me and he says, you know what? God told me to get a hold of you. He says, your wife, 
needs to have some support underneath her. And this is really difficult because he says, you're called. And he, he doesn't even know the story I've talked on here about these three people coming to us and telling us to stay the course that God would take care of us. And he says, you know what? God called me to go ahead and give you some money. And I'll, I'm just going to give you a figure on here. I'm not going to get the details. He says, but he called me to give you $4,000. And I, I started crying. I mean, I'm on the phone because I knew how much that would mean to you because it meant something to me that he would do that because he heard your story. And again, it's not manipulation. It was he heard the real stuff. And I'm thinking, well, four. This other guy had said five. And I get a phone call. I says, hey, let me be back. He calls me back five minutes later. He goes, hey, God told me to change that number. We're going to make it 5,000. <laughs> I start laughing. I said, okay, I got to tell you what this guy told me. And it was 5,000. He says, I'm just pulling the number out. And what my buddy said to me, I called him back, the first one that had said about the $5,000 check. He said, Brent, do you see what God just did for Stacy? He said, this wasn't like Babe Ruth pointing to the, to the stands at the end of the outfield. He picked which section of the outfield it was going to be, what row it was going to be, what seat it was going to be, and even the smallest little gum stain that that ball is going to hit on there, that that gum stain, he'll know what kid it came from, what his DNA was, everything about him. Because God wants more than a lightning strike. He wanted you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that $5,000 that he showed up for was connected to what the man had said the day before. And so you get these, this automatic deposit. And there's a number on there that I talked to you about how I always know when God shows up, there's three numbers that were in sequence, and it was these numbers on this. And so I, she sends it back to me. She goes, did you see the number? I said, yeah, I did. She's like, oh, my gosh, God, checkmate. I mean, you just, and I go down to get coffee the next morning, and you had taken a paper towel, and you had put God equals checkmate. Yeah, the the more I'm growing in my own faith journey, the spiritual battle is legit. And it's like I told you the other night, it, it really is like a game of chess. The enemy will go, and then... God will say, checkmate. <laughs> so that so was pretty cool. Let to... me ask you one last question. Um, I know how difficult it's been for you to trust your entire life. Through what just happened this last week, and, and the stress ended up putting me in the hospital this last week, and I'm not even going to go in with that, but it was a matter, it was, it was showing me how much weight I was carrying too. And where people were coming to me and saying, you got to get out of the way. I think a big part of that was, Brent, you can't just keep carrying this. This is God's battle. So through everything that he showed you this week, what has that done for your relationship with him and trusting? I mean, it's definitely um, restored it, especially with God. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not going to put all my trust in man man yeah. but my trust in god was just he blew me away and i think the thing that's so cool about that was the first thing that happened after this guy did this which is really neat we started saying you know who can we bless because that's something i think is really important you know i know there's a lot of you listening out there right now that are really struggling you know, does God see me? Does God hear me? Does he really know down to the finite details? And I know Stacy would be able to sit here and tell you right now, yeah, he does. 
it took a while to get there. But the beautiful thing is, because of all the rapids in her life that she had to go through to get to this point, how much sweeter is it when you know that God, down to the exact everything, showed up for you in a moment that you had to see it? He knew. Anything you wanted to add on here today? Nope. Thanks for having me. Well, I tell you what, I am so, um, I'm so in love with you. Oh, I love you too. And maybe sometime we'll tell you about that song that I wrote for my wife. And it was written on the piano that she bought for me. And it was written because she got my heart back. I love you. Guys, you are so loved. This Christmas season, be looking to pay it forward. God knows. Follow His Spirit. We'll see you next time.